Hello and welcome to No Direction's official PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage in partnership with Paizo. Our coverage would not be possible without the help of our con staff, Paizo, and our patrons. Find more seminar recordings at nodirectionpodcast.com. I know. Yeah, they come in three colors, guys. They come in two colors. We're live? Oh, oh good. Oh, right. We're oh, here yeah, to talk yeah. about Scaramanders now. <laughs> you mean the people just saw me stealing the Skinner Manor? <laughs> Strong start, oh, guys. Strong start. <laughs> Strong start. Uh, you, you're, you're, me, this, you're in the first seat. You made me sit here. This is, uh, my, this is your all, panel. What we're here to talk about today is how to professionally organize a panel and do it in a way that the audience <laughs> will understand what's going on. Uh, so. Uh, my name is uh, James Rodehaver. I run a Twitch stream on Friday nights called Dragons and Things uh, with my, my friends here. We have many other players and people who, who wanted to be here today to talk to you guys, but unfortunately they couldn't make it. So I've got Jared here to my right. He runs tech for us. He plays in our stream, and he is a producer on the show. And then there's Ben, and he is Quigley, Just, and he is my problem player. And, uh, <laughs> so this, uh, this, yeah, this whole thing is probably about me. Yeah, yeah, so. it's a lot of referencing Quigley. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of referencing yeah. Quigley. <laughs> uh, because I wanted to talk today about sort of the dynamic that we develop between GMs and players, and I think that one thing that I notice is I'm on on Twitter a lot, and I and I see all these. Uh, discussions about how games should be run and the proper way that, like, a GM's responsibility to the players and all this stuff. And I, and I think a lot of that has a lot of validity, um, but I think that a lot of the times we place too much pressure on ourselves to run perfect games and worse, to tell perfect stories. And I think that when you have a group of four to five of your friends sitting there who are main characters in the story that you're trying to tell, you have to uh, recognize their agency and learn how to let them take the lead sometimes and and sort of develop the story through their actions um, and not put so much pressure on yourself to tell this epic narrative that you thought of when you were on your own because when you're at the table you're not on your own and uh, yeah this guy is is perfect example of how you can you you have an idea of how a session is going to run and then he shows up and now you are talking to the son of a barrel maker for the next three hours oh, because yeah. he's decided that the barrel maker's family history is of prime importance to the show. And don't and like don't get it wrong, it is of prime importance to the show. <laughs> <laughs> those all, moments, it's all world those moments are the best <laughs> moments ever. When I can catch Jim in a moment where he's not prepared, it makes me smile, makes me laugh, and uh, and that's when I really like to dig into him. <laughs> and that's what we're here to discuss. <laughs> Yeah, so I think you um, you folks are, it's it's going to be very fun uh, to talk about this. We all have different perspectives. Uh, Jim Jim runs a homebrew game. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared has run mostly homebrew games his entire time. I mostly run Pathfinder Adventure Pads. Um, so we have kind of a different perspective on all of our stuff. So um, I think I'll talk a little bit about how in a planned adventure path, when people go off the way and go on their own path, how I sort of maneuver that and work with that. I think Jim's going to discuss that in the open world building part of it, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll have some fun talking about it. <coughs> so, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get started. And one thing, um, one thing that helps me in talking about uh, 
is open communication always with my players. I think that 100% will will change your game if you aren't consistently talking to your players, aren't consistently um, making notes, talking to them about what they like, what they don't like. Uh, that will that will change how your game happens. One of the things that I like to do when I'm starting a new group, uh, I go directly to the players and I say, "Hey, listen." So happy that you guys are here, so excited. This is a world where you can do anything. And I literally mean you can do whatever you want. You want to spend an hour talking about going to the bathroom and then doing it, that's perfectly fine. But, uh, and in that moment I'll say, the adventure path is written to be a path. It's, a, it's written to go in a certain direction. If you go in that direction, you will generally have more fun. But if you want to go off, off the way, we can. I'm more prepared for this way, but I'm also prepared for the other way. So whatever you want to do, it's up to you. But I tend to, tend to through communication, lean them in one direction. And in going along with the lines of open communication with my players, uh, if, if one of them starts to veer towards the path of not going down that line, you know, I will just talk to them and be like, hey, you know, totally, totally understandable why you don't want to go down the line. It is a free-for-all world. But you and I sit down. Let's tell tell me why you want to go down that path, you know. And I will sit there and listen to them. Usually they take about thirty minutes, and usually it comes down to um, two things: either a, I was very interested in something that you had said earlier, and I wanted to explore that, which is fantastic. If that happens in your game, run with it, you know. If they if they latch on to anything, that's that's your goal right there. Uh, the other one is. I wanted to screw with your game, and uh, and that that happens a lot, and uh, that also that's also pretty easy to deal with. You just make make different challenges for that character, make it more difficult for them in specific scenarios. Yeah, I think so. I think what you're talking about with communication with the players is a pretty key aspect to this. One thing that uh, you know, talking to them about their decisions to go sort of off the rails. And it's like well, you wanted to, you want to explore this. Let's talk about why you want to explore that. And if you have a valid reason as a player for wanting to go down this path, you can. I think that we we sort of hold this um, at the tabletop. We never want to break the immersion. We want to have the experience be consistent all the way through. But if your player is taking your your session in a direction that you're not prepared for, you don't have to be afraid to break that immersion just for a minute and say, Hey, look, I see you're really interested in this. Um, I'm not ready to explore that right now. You can even do that with them one-on-one, -on -one. like you know, get up from the table for a second and just tell them, like, I'm just not prepared to explore this in that depth right now. But if you want to do this, now that I know you want this, like, we can go down this path. If you'll work with me a little bit and for tonight, steer more in the direction that the rest of the group was headed. Uh, because if they're honestly interested in it, like they're going to be cool with it. You know, you don't have to hold this like immersion doesn't have to be this sacred standard. Um, I, I made a huge mistake once as a GM, um, not not uh, sort of holding uh, immersion to 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 the the absolute standard. And it was there was a player who wanted to go down a path, and I kept putting. I kept putting in-world blocks to that that made sense to me. Like, oh, it's just, it's really hard to do this. It's obviously not something, like you will have to spend months and months going down this path and exploring these tunnels. Like it would just be, it would be too hard, obviously. And I was thinking, he'll obviously turn back and we'll go back to the direction I thought. <laughs> and it never, like it got to the point where like, 
I got frustrated, and this was like the point where I, as a GM, this is where I made the huge mistake. I got frustrated because I was like, obviously, this isn't the direction I wanted you to go, but you are insistent and persistent, and no matter what I throw in your way, you continue down this path. Why are you doing this? And it's like, well, I should have just taken a step back. Like, it would have been really easy for me to just talk to the player and be like, hey, look, I'm just not prepared for this right now. I know you're interested in it. Maybe we'll revisit it next session or in two weeks. But I, I, I didn't want to break the immersion. I didn't want to take the player aside and do that. And that's, that's kind of where I failed, you know, as a GM. And it, and it actually, like, that game actually stopped soon after. And we didn't play for, for quite a while um, because I... I I I held that immersion to, to as as sort of the, the table standard, and it was yeah. like hey, you just got to take a step back sometimes. I think yeah. I think as GMs, we have to just realize like is it okay to just take a step back? It's okay you, you it's okay to talk to your players as they're they're just your friends. They're not you're not a director of a movie, um, and I think that's that, I mean that's tough, yeah. that's a valid thing. like I, I tend to run uh, very sandbox games in that you can literally go anywhere, do anything. I'm not going to stop you, and I'll go with I'll go on that journey with you. Um, my players tend to, if I if I've prepped what I want them to do, they're not going that way, like ever. I don't think it's happened one time. Uh, <laughs> but because they don't go down that path, doesn't mean that path disappears. The 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 story elements and consequences keep growing, even if your players aren't there. Your your uh, big bad evil guys, little bad evil guys, they're still getting more powerful. Their stories continue even if we're not seeing it. So leaning into the players and what they want to go through or where the path they want to go down is very uh, helpful for the story. Now we have the added benefit of recording our show. So we can go back and see, it's like, okay, well they really latched on to this, this NPC's kind of plot. So let's, let's kind of flesh him out a little more and you can, we have that benefit. So your, table, your table's at home. Just put a, put a phone up on the table and just record the audio to, to go back and touch in, and, mm -hmm. and it really gives you a new insight on things. That's something that you do, I know, is yeah. you just record all your sessions, mm -hmm. and then it, it's like it's not for it's like we're we're not building a podcast out of that. It's just literally so you can go back and yeah, you know I what forget. you named your random NPCs. <laughs> I forget you know, everything, what, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't write anything down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> pen and paper are very good for, for tabletop. Well, it's, it's already printed in the book. Right, right, right. No, yeah. I know, but there's other things that I should write down. I didn't write down. One thing that I like to do, too, uh, for my home sessions is, uh, is you get a note card, and you give each player a note card, and at the end of the session, you just say, hey, what's one thing that you thought was really cool tonight? What's one thing that you hope to accomplish for next Ooh, session? Yeah. Um, and just getting those little tiny bits of information, and it's like, if you now, now you know what your what your players are interested in, what they're probably going to follow up on, mm -hmm. so that next session you are prepared for those sort of unexpected things that you didn't know they were super interested in. You get that feedback right away, and it's like, oh, okay, so they thought that there was some big thing in the end. I didn't even that didn't even register for me. I just happened to describe a painting, and they thought it was a big deal. Well, now it's a big deal because because <laughs> I'm definitely gonna now that I know they're interested in that. That's what I'm gonna prep. I'm gonna, and I, you generate a whole adventure based on notes that they're get, they're giving you the adventure hooks uh, based on things that they want to explore, and that's a really great way to keep them on on the path that you're prepared for because they're giving you what they're interested in. Well, and as as a, from the player side of it, not every not every game's gonna have a session zero. Uh, you're, it's gonna take one, two, three sessions to kind of figure out. 
who your character is, like his personality a little bit, uh, and and the ability to keep that open communication mm -hmm. and kind of modifies like you, when you start the game. Oh, I'm going to reclaim the lost kingdom for for my family that's been destroyed versus like that could be your goal but then as you start playing them you find it's more of a subtle thing maybe you can drift aside and that goes into like get that information to your gms because then how, if, if you don't if they don't know about it how can they expand on that story um another thing that i that i really think is important in in terms of dealing with with difficult players and something that we've touched on already um my, my uh, career background is in acting and improv acting, and so um, there's a couple of those uh, additives about acting and about improv that I like to institute as a GM, and the main one is if everything is important, nothing is important. Um, and this, so generally, when you're going out and your players are like, okay, I wanna go down this path, and you're like, no, 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 but this is, this is the important part, this is the important part, this is the important part. Well, if you give them time and give them the agency to go explore something that's not so important, that they find a little depth in the world, they find a little world building to it. Maybe it's not like your greatest session in the entire world, you know, you can have fun, but it, it's not gonna be this like raising of the stakes session that blows everybody's mind. However, the next session, when you get back on track and you subtly lead them back to the path that they're supposed to be on, then things start clicking into place and now suddenly, the pathway that could have been just stagnant and trying to be special all the time is actually special when you get back to it. And um, so giving, giving the players the agency to run with it for a little while and to have their time in the sun just on a base level is really something that I, I try to do and I try to let them have that time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for, please find out what type of group you have. Some groups like that, I just want to go in, I want to draw a sword, I want to hit things and go. Uh, I tend to like, I could go nine, 10 sessions without an initiative roll. So like, find, find that happy balance in your group so you don't get the, the tangent character who just gets bored and is like, well, I'm, I'm kind of over this, so I'm gonna see if I can break the prep that's been done. Like, try, try to keep them all on the same page and, and happy and involved. And that, that goes back to like the follow-up cards. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. When you said that, I was like, I'm going to take this off, go sit down over there. <laughs> I think one thing that we've, we've talked about a couple of times is the idea of like a player who wants to, who wants to break your prep. Because you, again, you, you put it beautifully, there's, there's two, two reasons people are going down a path that you didn't prep for and you're not really sure why they're latched onto it. One is because they found something interesting, they noticed something that they're really like, they want to find more about your world out. Or you have somebody who genuinely is just like, oh, I was bored. I like, I, there are times when players just they just want to mess with you. They want to break your, they want to break the game as much as they can. And I think that one thing that we need to realize is that um, as players, sometimes we need to put aside our our desires to to do something like that to to drive the story in a direction you know it's not really intended to go just to see if you can push your gm a little bit like there's really like because it, it's not even just about you know that's that's a dynamic between you and your gm and sometimes especially when you're playing with a group of really good friends you have that that person who wants to push you a little bit and then you push back and that's great but that's a that's a that's a dynamic between two people at the table and as a player you're sort of 
you can sometimes ruin things for the rest of your table doing that. Like your goal should never be to break the story. Uh, it should always be to tell the story with your GM. And you know, I, I think that you know, there's a lot of again pressure on GMs as a GM. I put a lot of pressure on myself to give the players agency and always let them do the thing that they want to do and always never break immersion and always always keep up and and sometimes like that becomes overwhelming so i think as a player you can sort of prep you can prep your gm like here are some things i'm actually interested in doing send that before they send it two weeks before a session like let them know like here here are some things that i think are very interesting don't always leave it on one person because at the end of the day if it's always the gm's responsibility then it's one person in a group of five or six people who is managing everything and then it becomes a job and if and if yeah. the game is your job yeah. then it's it's whole purpose is to be fun and you're you're ruining that for one person at the table and that's you know if it's going to be one person anyway write a book yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It, you can. If, no, versus that, give, let the characters tell the story too. Yeah. I don't think there's one GM out there that wouldn't be like, yes, I would love it if my players would talk to me more about <laughs> what they, they want to do, about how their characters could be better. Like, we all crave that. You know, mm -hmm. we all crave our players to just be a little bit more. Uh, even if you already have players that are that, you always just want a little bit more. And um, but Jim, when you were talking about that, about how your players, you know, they can get bored. They, I, a great example is a few like a, what was it like two months ago? Jim took away my paladin powers, which I'm still a little uh, angry uh, about. Correction, you lost. I lost yeah, my your paladin powers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we spent a good number of sessions where I was just a dude with a sword and a shield, and uh, and I um, I definitely. Um, you know, I definitely didn't follow Jim's advice. I tried to break the game in many different ways. <laughs> I uh, I tried to go after it in like very creative, unique ways. But I would say that there's a difference between being unique in your approach to combat as a player and also, you know, trying to literally break the game. Trying to literally break the game, obviously we all don't want, but that's just a that's just a player being bored. So there's, there's ways to get around that. Yeah. I think, um, especially when you're, when you're reading through adventure paths, you're looking at it and you you read the stat block of a uh, of a of a creature or a monster or like a necromancer, and you see in there their combat techniques. Okay, I'm gonna they are out for the kill. Boom. Yeah, you know, they're gonna use all their their spells that that cause danger, that cause physical harm. That's gonna happen first. Well, sometimes you might have to switch up those combat tactics because that player is is different and is looking for more of a challenge. So if I've got that player that is, you know, trying to break my game in unique ways, well, instead, maybe I'll cast Obscuring Mist and then throw a zo necromantic zombie horde over there, deal with the other players in a different way. But now he's got something so unique. He's got, you know, he's got percentile dice he has to roll. He's got, he's got four on one instead of just coming after me with the one shot. There are different ways that you can do it, or putting them in tight quarters, uh, making things very narrow, making it very difficult for them. Or, you know, in our show, in our show, it's been it's been crazy recently because we recently instituted wild magic, where fans can donate to just have something literally crazy happen to us. And um, one time, I was turned undead. I think that would make your character very interested in the battle if they were just instantly turned undead for some reason. Um, yeah, 
It was. I died because of it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as nah. a, as a player, I like. I, the term "break the game" isn't necessarily uh, breaking the game, but I like as a player. I love third party content. As a GM, I hate third party content. Uh, I know yeah. there's times on the show yeah. where, like, I, I'll, I'm a druid, I'll come in and I'll cast a spell, and Jim will be like, I've never heard those words uttered together <laughs> before in my life. Like, what does that mean? Uh, so please just clear the content with your GM so they know at least the sources that it's coming from. Uh, I think I think that that is that is a, an example where like a player. I think a lot of times players uh, we like to, and then this goes for me. Too, I mostly jam, but when I'm a player, like I like to show up at the table and throw something on the battlefield that no one's ever heard of that I know is like a trump card. I know this is this is an ace, and I throw it out there, and I'm like, yeah, boom. Um, and those can create some really cool moments. But yeah, you should really talk to your GM about things that you're going to use that are more obscure um, that that maybe they've never heard of before. Something that you've, you know, did a deep search on the internet for a feat that you know is, is you know it's overpowered. Like, you got to clear that stuff with your GM because you just show up and you're like, my character can fly. And it's like, well, why? And I don't think so. And I didn't, I don't want that. Like, no, that's that. that don't don't do that. I understand that somebody wrote a rule uh, in, in some content that you found on Reddit that would allow you to fly, but it's, it's actually going to hurt this game a lot because I didn't know that that was a thing, and I didn't I didn't account for that in any way. Uh, so you got to talk to gems. Don't just try to throw aces on the table uh, that you because because you know you, you know when that when when you're doing that as a player. Like I know when I when I have this thing and I'm like you. Know, <laughs> I'm gonna throw this at Ben, and he's gonna—he's not gonna have any idea what to expect. Well, con contrary to what Ben thinks, it's not the players versus the GM. It—it's it, the players with the GM. No, no, no. Uh, as as a player, as a player, it is the players with the GM. As a GM, I'm there to crush and destroy my. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, it's very true. Um, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, uh, you know, we obviously, you know, he's talked about running APs, and I run mostly homebrew stuff, um, and I think that. Uh, more, more on the the direct GMing stuff. More in, in terms of actually mechanically running things, um, and in terms of allowing your story to be very flexible for what the players are going to do and and what you want to see happen at the table. Um, I think that uh, you know when you are doing your own world building and you're running your own homebrew games, um, what I have found is very very helpful is to outline what I want to see happen in a, like in a dungeon or with encounters and stuff. And when my players have decided that uh, they're not going to go down this hole, they're not going to go talk to this person, they're not going to go deal with this cave with the wailing banshee sounds coming out of it, like they're just not interested in, like they're not going over there. If I have um, pieces of the world that I need them to encounter, I just put them in their path. I think a lot of times as GMs, like we treat our own homebrewed games as APs, where it's like, well, if they don't, if they don't open this door, they'll never talk to the chancellor, and if they never talk to the chancellor, well, that's it. Like the game can't go forward. Um, so you just, it's your game, it's your world. As a GM, you, you don't be afraid to take those encounters that you really need to happen and just put them somewhere else. Put them in your player's way. Um, don't tell your players you're doing that because they'll think it's amazing that they found this new, like, oh, I, f I found, like, we, we went over here and we found this whole new world to explore. See, we didn't need to do what the GM wanted us to do. And it's like, well, no, I, 
I gave you the illusion of choice. <laughs> uh, that's, that's just as powerful because uh, one of the things that, that I think goes along with players, especially players who, who want to explore sandboxy worlds and who want to forge their own path, is they want to feel like what they're doing has value. They want to put like they want to explore this cave that you didn't really intend for them to explore. They want to explore it because they want to know what's inside. They want to they want to find value in that. And you can you can add that value. You don't have to be afraid to to take apart your dungeon and rearrange it so that they still find the cool things that you wanted them to find and they still fight the cool monsters you wanted them to fight. Just because your grid in your notes shows that, well, if you went left, there's the sword of truth. And if you go right, it's you'll never find it. Well, you just, just put it where you want it to be in the moment. I mean, you, you can't be afraid to be adaptable. Um, and your players are going to have so much fun finding that stuff when they've chosen which direction they're going to go. I mean, And I'd say that applies to the APs as well. Like, yeah. Just because it's a, oh, yeah. a published adventure, doesn't mean you're not still world building. Oh yeah, I mean we just uh, we just finished <clears throat> we just finished a book a uh, few months ago, and uh, they they had terrible perception scores even when taken twenty because they haven't built their characters properly. Uh, they didn't min max their characters, and uh, <laughs> and they missed they literally missed the final boss. Cool, I'm okay with that. And that's one of those things where I'm I hope they're not watching. Oh, that's a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm letting it sit for a while. <laughs> yeah, that bad boy's coming back. So, uh, yeah, I, that's another thing, you know. Know your world. Know the world that you that your story exists in. And that, um, that can be anything from, for me, reading the entire adventure path before I even start. I like, I like going through all the books, every single one of them, so that I know where my story begins, where my story ends. I know what's happening in the world because something that's happening in book six is happening in book one, too. Like, it's currently happening. And that way, if they go random directions, sure, you're stalling time. You're stalling time. That that book, book six, happens on a date. And uh, and that's when you're going to get there no matter what. Like, it, that date will happen. Um, and if you screw around too much, that's on you. You know, like you're you're you are going to be unprepared for that moment if you find your way through this world in an odd sense. Um, so I, I like to I like to just really know what's happening in Corvosa, know what's happening in you know Sandpoint, know what's happening in the land of the Lenorn Kings. All when this is just taking place right here, so that. Adventurers can swing in and let them know what's going on. I think you hit on a really good point with the idea that um, you know your players are doing something, uh, and the rest of the world is also occurring around them. You have yeah. you have you know villains that are that are advancing their goals and making their plans, and I think adding a cost to what the PCs tend to do in terms of the time they're spending. It's like okay, you guys wanted to explore this. Tower that I that, that, that's over there. That's great. Um, you have, you, but you know that you know the the orcs are amassing, and the longer you spend doing this, you might find some cool treasure. You might get a, a little bit of experience, but now your enemies have grown a little bit stronger as well. Um, every everything your players do that takes time to to better themselves, like your enemies, their their enemies should also be preparing. 
their enemies, you know, the bad guys should know that there are people out to stop them. They should be going on their own little quests to gain experience yeah. <laughs> and allies and, and new treasure. Uh, so that you know, if your players want to go into the forest and and you know the, uh, mess around and, yeah. and and kill goblins for a month to to get a, enough XP to level up, well, it's like, well, yeah, okay. Well, now the 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 big bad evil has also, you know, he has taken this time to find a, a you know a, a cloak that gives him a bonus. And, you know, and my all favorite this kind of stuff. My favorite thing to do in that scenario is if they're yeah. going off in the random thing and they're they're doing whatever they want, and and my 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 big bad has some knowledge of the PCs and ha like knows what they're doing. Kidnap their favorite NPC. That'll get them right on track. I'll go back. Yeah. Oh, they, will, they will find that NPC. They will do it. Yeah, I mean, nothing happens in a vacuum in yeah. real in the real world. So why should it happen in a vacuum within Galarian? Yeah, and you know that happens even in APs, homebrews like. Well, and it creates so... it creates interesting storylines. Like right now, we have on the show we have a tangent storyline. Uh, we're calling the villains episodes, and we're not like the big bad villains, but we're like. We're starting as henchmen, and, and 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 the stuff that we're doing is showing in the main storyline, uh, and I mean that's just Jim being immensely clever. But like things happen, and it's a very good way to look at it from that other side of well, if I kill this NPC as a villain, he can't help the party in the future. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think I think that adding uh, adding. Having the villain, having things not happen in a vacuum, uh, it, it adds a depth to the game that you're running. Um, because the thing is, you know, again, you want you want to give your players value for the time. If they want to go and take extra time to go deal with some side stuff to gain that XP to get some more treasure, they are gonna they they, they, they there's value in that for them. They're going to be a little bit tougher. They're gonna be a little stronger. They're gonna be more prepared to face their enemies. Um, but they as a group now have to start thinking in terms of like is that worth it for us and that that tension building when you've got the group not sure whether like should we take the time for the side quest or do we need to go and and face down the the orc chieftain like do we need to do that now are we ready for that can we handle it now if we if we stop to go do this side quest are we are we are we gaining any value from that? Like, what 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 do we do? Like, what is the best course of action? And it, it creates sort of a tactical depth to the game that is that is really fun. I like yeah. that that tension that it creates because your players are like, I don't know what the correct path is. And I think that as a GM, your players should never know for certain what the perfect thing to do is. They should always wonder so like. What are the consequences <laughs> for our choice? Ugh. What? Are, what's? Uh, yeah, he he drives him insane. It drives me so because crazy. Because he never knows. And I'm like, like, no, I want. What's the right be... thing to do? Tell me the right thing to do, Jim. What's like, funny God. is is play... I'm a paladin. I should know what the right thing to do. Is. <laughs> what's funny? Players will 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 make decisions on. Let's go go to the side quest right now. Like I know that the dragon is decimating this town, but let's go and you know run this errand for the village baker. Uh, but they'll, they'll, they'll like make that decision on split, but you give them a door and you're oh, yeah. sitting there for 40 minutes. Like <laughs> a closed door is the perfect uh, staller. That's another game <laughs> tip if you haven't already. Just a closed door that is, d describe it, but nothing special about it. You just like, there's a door, uh, banded iron door, and yeah, you don't, you don't see anything special about it. And then you bought yourself a good 40 minutes of- Just catch of, up. And, yeah, you'd sit there and start writing notes uh, that you didn't have what, enough prep what time. What color is the door? <laughs> is the door unlocked? 
You just say, I want to listen through the door. <laughs> it doesn't appear to be dangerous with the magic words. <laughs> Frozen in fear for an hour. Absolutely. Which makes for a great stream, by the way. <laughs> yeah, if, if streaming or podcasting, just freeze your players in place. People love it. Or go shopping for an episode. Yeah, People oh man. <laughs> shopping episodes are great. Uh, uh, no, but um, one other thing that I wanted to touch on, which is just like my strange experience um and i don't know that everybody gets uh everybody gets this knowledge is um is a improv technique that i also think can work in this um in this method of like how you get your players back on track to the main storyline um when you are an improv actor you know you're always getting the one word from the audience and the one word from the audience is like oh yeah i'm gonna make up something hilarious right so Somebody will give you like any other word. So like somebody, just somebody like get literally give me a word. Anchovy. Anchovy, great. Anchovies make me think of fish. Fish make me think of last night when we were at the fish restaurant. Last night when we were at the fish restaurant makes me think, and you go along this path. It makes me think of how we went and got ice cream. It makes me think of the library that we saw and we just like ignored the entire life. That same method of thinking can set your players back onto a course in a very circuitous sort of way where you're like, okay, you see this one thing, it slowly leads you back. But oh, now you see a bigger thing that adds onto that. You know, it could be a fish and your fish will eventually lead you back into the town that you're supposed to be at. Um, and that town is uh, overrun with some sort of crazy monster. Fish monsters. Fish monsters. Fish monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, w I wanna make, I just like, a lot of this is is players taking it off course. I want to make, from a GM standpoint, don't punish your players for being creative and thinking outside of the box. Encourage that, mm -hmm. uh, but still keep them, get them right. back. Like right. don't like ah, oh, that's stupid. You know, negative three levels. Like don't don't lash out because they've gone where that you, you don't. You can also do that. <laughs> ben wants to punish his players all the time. Even when they do follow his storyline, he just wants his players to quake in fear at all times. Oh man, and it's working too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's all of my little tidbits. That's all your tidbits? That's all my tidbits. We have seen all of Ben's There were some tidbits. Should we uh, open it up? Yeah, yeah is there any, do you guys have any questions, comments, concerns? Cade, what does the Discord say? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, have, there's have some in there. Failed. I saw there were at least two in there. Oh, okay. so. there are multiple. But the only one that really applies to this situation. Wait, you. I think they're going to get a microphone. Oh, yeah. Because we're because people it. at home are Go watching. Go for it. Yeah. So all three of you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Cade broke everything. Everything. So all three of you have both player and GM experience. Yes. Yeah. Which do you prefer when it comes to influencing the storyline? Being the player? and making those influences or the GM? Mm. That's a great question. I, I think I like being on the GM side of that. Uh, as, as frustrating it is, as it is when you're not prepped for a group to engage an NPC and then find out who their children are, are they consorted to any, like, what's the, it, it, it's fun to build out your story yeah. because you're, you're getting in, okay, so now I have, a, now I've set up this carriage conglomerate throughout the world, which can then filter back in later. It's like, oh no, the carriage is, oh, is the driver okay? Like, the characters will care more about the mundane stuff that you didn't even think would yeah. matter. I would say definitely I prefer 
influencing the story as a GM rather than a character because you're as the GM you have full right to switch whatever you want like as a player I can give Jim my story and be like this is what I like this is what's been happening and Jim will be like cool now be aware that some of this is probably going to change and so like that's fun to do that's fun to have but as a GM knowing that I get to surprise my players primo that's what I love I, uh, I love GMing, and I would probably prefer that. Uh, overall, that's how I like to play the game more. But being a player for me is a lot of fun. And when I'm a player, the one thing that I always want to do is I want to, I want to know what the GM's story. My big thing is like the reason that I'm, I'm playing the game is to, is to learn what happens next from the GM. And I will always, I always try to um, find out what's happening by playing along with the GM, that's always my goal, is like I know that they came prepared to tell a certain story, to lead me down a certain path, and I'm gonna go down there. I might do it in a, in a circuitous way. Um, for example, like if we're, if we're hunting down a, a criminal overlord, my method of doing that might be to go to the docks at night with some drugs to bribe one of the people who's down there. Like Which that's how did. I wanna do that, have that kind of an interaction. <laughs> and maybe that's an NPC that, that now the GM kinda has to make up on the spot. But my goal is still to find that drug, that 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 criminal uh, uh, overlord. That's still my goal because I know that's the story they're prepared to tell. So that's where I'm going to go. Like I want to work with the GM in that way. A player might set up a law office and a bail bonds thing because <laughs> criminals need lawyers. So which, which we also did. Got <laughs> <laughs> a question? Yeah. Good afternoon. Um, I have a question both as a player and as a GM. How mm -hmm. do you deal with uh, individual players? character development when their goals and agency is sort of orthogonal to what the group wants to do. So here, this is something that I love doing. Um, I'm not sure it works for everybody, but it works for me. Um, I literally have each session, somebody in my group write a backstory. And it can be a backstory on literally anything that you are currently dealing with. Uh, or that they think that they're about to deal with. And then I'll spend 10 minutes each session just going through and explaining that backstory and, and putting it in their world and, and really making the first 10 minutes like, this is your moment. This is about you. This is how you're feeling right now. And it can be something so simple or it can be something huge. It can lead to big repercussions way later down the line or like the rogue in my party. Uh, she's a rogue druid. She talked about how she wasn't good at picking locks because she would always get locked in a closet and so she would have to, she only knew how to pick locks from the back side and not the front like that little that little part is now like her fun moment but it it has influenced the story and so even if their backstories have no like connection to the world if you keep giving them moments of like how do you feel about the undead? They don't know that they're gonna face undead this session, but you know that they're gonna face undead this session. Now, now they're in the world, right? Now they're tied in, no matter where they're from. It's all about their emotions towards that one thing. You can also just check in with your players too, uh, sort of in the moment, you know, um, uh, either maybe right before a combat, right after a combat, right after an interaction with an important NPC, and you say like, how does your character feel about this? 
this? Like, how, like just check it, like, because that gives them a moment to be like, oh, now I can delve into my backstory a little bit and tell you about, tell everybody about the time that, you know, when I was a child, I, uh, I was bitten by a spider, so now I'm terrified of spiders. Like, give them those opportunities. Mm -hmm. They don't have to take very long, but it's a nice little way to check in with your players and let them sort of tell those backstory bits. Because I know that backstories are very important to a lot of players. Like, mm -hmm. they really like to, like, they want that stuff to come out. Um, so like Ben was saying, the, doing those bigger flashback scenes to sort of uh, set the tone for your episodes or your, your, your sessions is great. Um, just little check-ins in, in moments uh, to, to let your players sort of uh, take a minute or two and talk about like, well, here's, 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 my, here's a little piece of my backstory, everybody. They like that. They like or to share that. Kill them. <laughs> then, then their backstories are relevant. Then they yes. will have a new backstory. <laughs> I think the most important tool, or one of the most important tools a GM can have, is the 20 to 30 minute gab session that happens after the game. Because you, you can focus in on what resonated with, with the players. And like if you have a no character that's, that's not, mm -hmm. not engaging where you thought, you can kind of see why. Because or, or they drop the character persona, and then they're talking as their players a little more. Yeah, for us. Uh, I'm both a player and a GM, so I thought of something interesting. Uh, something I've come up with that's either been really hit or miss, most of the time miss, is uh, in Pathfinder you can build a lot of characters with really niche abilities mm -hmm. yeah. that they have to build up towards. Yeah. And as a GM, I feel like if I don't let them use it or you counter it in some way, I always feel bad because they either never got to use it or it never came up. Uh, and then as a player, I always am like, but this is really niche. I'm either making the GM plan around it or I'm not. How do you guys, what do you yeah. guys think on that? As a GM, I think you just need to close your heart a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, are you running APs or are you running homebrew stuff? Uh, I do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I've got a couple homebrew game yeah. worlds I've made. Um, more towards APs right now because okay. that's what... Most One thing that I really like about with. the APs is they have like the player guides that they put out for them. So like as a player, if you go through that, like you'll know like, oh, here's some favorite, I wanted to play a ranger, here's some favorite enemies that would actually make sense to take. Yeah. And you know that they'll come in handy, even if it's not, you know, in the first book, like you know that it won't be just a useless thing that you've chosen. Um, and you can kind of, if you, especially if, if you're a, take a page out of that, out of that book and as a, a, at character creation, as a homebrew GM, just like, sort of put out a little a little sheet that says like in general here's an outline of things you might experience things that might be useful that way your players aren't taking you know favorite enemy ooze and you're like well there's there's no oozes in my world so you've just you've now wasted your your choice they don't they don't make a vampire hunter vampire hunter well, they might, there are they, no vampires they, if they do make that choice at least it's on them now and they've, <laughs> they've they've done that to themselves i think also something that helps is once again that like that downtime where like yeah I'm not gonna let you use that ability. If it's so niche that you are finding the particular moment to use it, I'm not gonna let you use that for four or five sessions. And then, but as soon as you do get to use it, then you're having a lot of fun with it. You know what I mean? Like you don't have yeah. to make it every single time. I have to create the monster to allow them to use it. Okay. Um, they can still have challenges outside. Of and remember, that. as the GM, you can you can change the rules. Uh, certain other systems that have released also new additions have things like you can play to level four and change any aspect of your character. So you can kind of adopt maybe like something like that. Like, okay, you made this character at one and I'm now level four. I've not ever used this ability. Maybe you give them a pass to go back and, and retweak it a little bit. 
That's and that's all, you know that's for you. You can do that if you want to. That's, that's whatever works at your table. Thanks. Yeah. Hello. So we've we've discussed you know different play styles a little bit. So as a GM, how do you handle you know a group where you have the play styles you know both as a GM and different players are very different. Like you know you've got somebody that beating um beatable odds, that's their shtick, and somebody else who just wants to role play the entire time, and someone who wants you know, a very scripted path, and somebody else that's more of the improv route. Like, how do you, how do you manage that? Uh, I mean, I, th I don't think there is a, there's not like a single answer for that. Uh, I tried at one point to forbid electronic devices at my table, uh, because I had a, a guy, oh, it's not about me, I'm gonna be on Imager. Like, uh, and that, that happens. Yeah. Um, I think the best way is just that communication. Like, what when when we start a game, what do you want out of the game? Like, he Jim does the note cards after the game. I will do a fifteen question questionnaire at the start. Like, well, where does your character want to go? Kind of what's his thought? That way, you can customize it about the character. So even if they're not engaged in that exact moment, they're thinking about how they can further their own goals. I think a lot of that's also just being flexible as a, as a person too. Like as a GM, I want all my players to always be 100% engaged, but that's just not gonna happen. Because again, people like to play the game very differently. This game is designed to be played in uh, so many different ways. Like that's that's how it's meant to be. But as a player, like as a person, like sometimes it, like you just gotta be flexible knowing that I'll get my moment, I'll have, uh, there will be a combat at some point where I'll get to yeah. hack a monster to death. <laughs> there will be some role playing where I'll get to interact with the, you know, the the prince and I'll get to you know cut a deal for for some extra gold or whatever like I'll get I'll get my moment and I I'm okay with taking a step back when I know like okay this isn't my thing this is their thing this is this is this player's moment you just got to be okay with letting people do that and I think that um, that can be hard sometimes uh, it can be really hard sometimes uh, I know for me because I love role playing so much so when we get into role playing situations sometimes it's not a conflict of different players wanting different things it's more just like I want to jump in and do this and it's sometimes gonna be like okay like let them take the lead and I'll play background for now because I've I've already dealt with a lot of things this this session um, so it's just being flexible as a person and realizing that it's not always gonna be about you it's not always gonna be what you like but what you like is coming and when it and when it's there that'll be your moment to shine and I think as a, as a GM it's a, it's so important that we're aware at the table and I like, trust me. I've got, I've got two computers running. I've got, I like, I've got my iPad in front of me. I got there's so much distraction in front of me that sometimes I forget that what is here is not necessarily what's here. You know, so like as much as we can, as much as we can view our PCs, see the interactions, see what's going on next to us, and and be aware of how they're taking things. That we can really, uh, that we can really play with, you know. If I see, if they're in a combat, cool, we're having fun in the combat, and I see one of my players is totally disinterested in the combat, um, that player might start hearing voices in his head. Cool. Might get now, hit with eight boulders. Now we're, <laughs> now we're, now we're dealing with something. Now, now they're in a, they're in a social situation. If they like, uh, if they like puzzles, cool. 
he falls into a pit trap. There's a puzzle down there. Let's solve it. You know, like, uh, your friends are fighting, and now you're solving a puzzle for your life. You know, like there there are ways to find role playing within combat. There's ways to find like combat within role playing. I mean, um, we're we're playing Curse of the Crimson Throne right now, and we're we're having a huge role playing episode, and uh, and we're playing Knivesies as well. You know, we're playing we're playing a game that has combat into it, but it is not necessarily life or death situations. So there's always a way to like work and build your characters into the moment. Uh, but like I said, it takes that time of like, if I know my, my buddy likes puzzles, then I'm gonna plan a puzzle. I might back pocket it always. And then if, if he's distracted, not into it, boom, puzzle, let's go for it, you know? Um, yeah. Thanks. Hello. So we've got lots of questions from Twitch. We're about cool. forty-five minutes into the stream. Cool. Uh, we'll want to give. Our, we'll want to wrap it up before a full hour, of okay, course. Sure. So we'll kind of do a lightning round of questions. Oh, just kind cool. of like, and some of these are riffing on concepts you've maybe talked about a little bit, okay, but cool, yeah. you know, specifically, how do you deal with situations where it feels like one person has become the main character? That's an interesting one because every party is going to have every game I've ever played in. There is someone who takes the alpha position the leader uh, and it's not always the same person but you 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 have to it goes back to communication and figuring out what the other players want and giving them enough of that as as a gm you want to you want to try to notice those things if you notice that there are there's one player who's always taking the lead um, there's two things you want to do you want to a again communicate, actually talk to that person in real life, and just say like, "Hey, I noticed that some of the other players haven't got a lot of chances to deal with these situations. Maybe you'd be okay supporting a little bit." You and know? keeping everybody else engaged. Keeping how much? And then how might you do that? Interact with players who are maybe a little bit hesitant about taking the lead. Mm -hmm. Turn to that player and say like, "Hey." How do you, you know, the we Knives is a perfect example. Perfect example. Um, the there was a game of Knives Our rogue plays Knives and wins, of course, because he's fast and nimble and he gets all the gold. Easy. Um, there's another game of Knives in that in that same session where the GM turns to the cleric GM's my and wife. says, "You're awesome. I, I challenge you." And now somebody who never would have stepped up to that position. <laughs> It's now thrust into this game they're totally unsuited for, but it was wildly fun because the GM took the initiative to like to, to make that dynamic happen in a way that we would not have as players. Jamie, if you're watching. Good job, Jamie. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, all right. This is the, the Steel Gandalf asks, and this might be kind of an overarching question, but where do you land on player collaborative storytelling? How much agency do you give the players in building out the world on a session-to-session -session basis? Are they fellow storytellers, and does their storytelling agency extend beyond their characters? We've talked about that so, sort yeah. of overarching for the whole show, yeah, but what do you uh, think? Like I said, uh, you know, I will, I'll give my characters uh, each, each time a backstory that they get to tell me. Um, and if they want to come up with a backstory together, that's cool. Like, they are instantly... When, you, when I go into a session, I want to think about like setting and relationships. That is like my main jam about being a GM. It's all like, how are you relating to the world and the people around you and each other? And how are you interacting with the environment around you? And if they can, outside of me, create their own relationships with each other, 
cool. As long as I retain the agency to say, I will make changes. I have the ability to change this backstory in some way, shape, or format. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love it if my player comes to me and says, I know my, I'm playing a fighter, and I inherited my father's sword that was a very important weapon in this ancient war. And, and it's like, oh, this is a, that's great. This is fantastic. And this sword is going to be an integral part to, to, to my character's growth. And, and, I, and I want it to be like a big part of the story. And I'm like, yeah, that's great, this magic sword. But I know, of course, that it was given to his father as part of a demon pact. And I'm not going to tell my player that, but my players should know me well enough to know that like <laughs> that's going to happen. Like they, don't, they they get to tell me a story, and I get to subvert it. That's sort of the deal I make with my players. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I I love and highly encourage uh, player uh, backstory and mm -hmm. feel because it rounds out the world so nicely. Because I don't have time to think about all the yes. the NPCs in the world aside from what their name is, what their job, uh, and maybe a fact or two about them. I, just, I don't have the resources to do that. So if they they are populating my world for me, more power. Have yeah. at it. Absolutely. Populate the dungeons too. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh -oh. oh, no. How's it going? Good. Hi. We're good. So, Crag or Quigley? Oh, yeah. This is a great question. Um... <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm Quigley. Uh, <laughs> man. Yeah, you always pick Crag, dude. He is. What's, what's the situation? I'll leave that for Jim Jim. Yeah. I mean, pretty much Crag's going to win in, in just about any situation. Well, do you want to see someone win? social, though. I am the social master. <laughs> but when your hammer is this big and weighs 40 pounds, like, you win most social situations as well. So, <laughs> Crag's if, a barbarian. If you want someone to win, or if you're cheering for someone to win, you want Crag. If you're cheering for someone to lose, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I get that. I get that. <laughs> short, you're short, you're short your Quigley stocks. You ask an interesting question. It's happened before uh, a Quigley versus Crag battle. Uh, we were in Jim Jam put us into a haunted mansion, which was just insane. Um, there was one guy who was stuck in a billiards room trying to solve a puzzle, <laughs> and the billiards kept popping him in the face. The entire episode. Four hours. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was unsolvable! Except by the whole chat who solved it within five minutes. Um, but at one point, I get into this room and I see this monster in front of me and I did a bad, I did a bad player and I was like, I feel like this room isn't real. So I actively disbelieve it. And uh, I kept rolling to disbelieve, and Jim was like, no, no, no. And I was like, but I know it's not real. Like, I can tell. And there was this monster that kept hitting me at really high levels. So I kept going full defensive. And uh, he then, at that point, stopped hitting me and could not hit me anymore. And our barbarian, as soon as that happened, he's rolling dice. He's like, I can't hit this thing! And so he was, he was trying to hit me, and he couldn't. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering about the stream that we keep talking yeah. about, we yeah. are we are we do dragons and things. It is a show every Friday night at 6 p.m. Pacific on twitchtv show uh, It's a lot of fun. I we play with this guy. This guy is not on every episode, but he's on a lot of episodes. I'm there. Every Everybody loves Mug. Uh, we have a lot of fun with doing it. Uh, we had hoped to have more of our cast here with us today to, to talk about some of the stuff, but unfortunately, it was. It was 
It was too. They didn't want to sit in the car with us for oh, 20 man. hours because we twenty hours drive. Twenty hours it was too much. It was great. Uh, <laughs> where can we find everybody on socials? And you can whatnot? find me uh, on all socials at at look. It's Ben Birch, uh, B U R C H. And uh, if you forget, just be like, ah, oh, look, it's Ben Birch. Yes, <laughs> I am at Evil Jim Jam on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Jared Hoy across the board. But the best thing about uh, the best part about our show is that we have recently added four skittermanders to our set. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. New set decorations from Paizo are yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. Really. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do we got? What do we got coming on next? Actually, uh... oh, we got oh, more oh, questions. Oh. No, no. What do you got for us? I'll probably continue. But actually, we're taking a break for an hour. So, uh, well, then why we gotta get out? You know, we don't gotta. <laughs> But um, uh, I think I think the chat's mostly. Yeah, let's see. Craig says hi. He's in the chat, hey. keeping hey, everybody. You know, and, and, and there's someone called uh, Mrs. Quigley. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Hi, yeah. hi, is that, hi, yeah. Any so, relation? So and about you know. Wife. Yeah, there you go. She's awesome. <laughs> She's a great GM. So we're having a good time in 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 chat. I don't, and I've let everybody know that the Skitter Matters are are prototypes. Uh, um, so you're saying they're the only. Ones. They're these are the only Skitter Matters <laughs> in existence, uh, soon to be available uh, from uh, Ultra Pro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we don't have a release date on those quite yet, but and we Paizo. soon will. And Paizo.com, of course. Uh, as far as PaizoCon goes, uh, we have a, another panel tomorrow yep. mm-hmm. that focuses, same time, same place, focuses on more on doing the show as, or the game as a show. Yeah. Uh, Jim is running a game tomorrow. I am running, running a game, game tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, His has got unicorns in it. It's true. His has the best title ever. Unicorn rescue. <laughs> so, 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 thanks for being here, gents. We'll wrap it up, and we'll look forward to seeing more out of you later in the con. For those of you, for those of you that are in chat this year on on Twitch next year, get here. Because it's worth it. <laughs> we drove 20 hours to get here. You <laughs> We're getting free skitter <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, man. Thanks.